Hi there, and welcome back to the Purpose Map podcast. I'm Casey Berglund, your host and the founder of Worthy and Well. And I'm so delighted to share with you this episode with Emily Fraser. She is the Spoonie mentor on Instagram and is really such an incredible soul. We met recently in person. I sat at her kitchen table and we recorded this conversation together. She um, has done brilliant work in the area of chronic illness. And talk about an embodied leader teaching and speaking and sharing from her depth of experience in addition to the many evidence-based tools that she's learned along the way to help people with chronic illness be empowered and aligned in their lives. And you know what? She is really like thriving in her next level purpose as a previous like choir band teacher turned mentor for people with chronic illness. You can just hear and sense through this episode how her transformational journey has really guided her to a place of expansion. In this episode, we really bring it back to trusting the body. Even when you have chronic illness, we share so many insights just back and forth. It's like we were interviewing each other, co-hosting each other. Um, She has a podcast called The Spoonie Podcast, where this episode was published, and obviously I'm publishing it here as well. I can't wait to hear back from you about what this episode inspires in you. Have a listen. Here we go. I love that I've got Cody here. Mm-hmm. And she, he, 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 he's, yeah. he, he is just like, oh, into my thumb on his forehead. Like, could you imagine if someone just stroked your forehead like and that? Like, like, talk about nervous system regulation. He honestly doesn't. Like, he doesn't always come down for... He doesn't even, like, let guests really pet him. Like, even, like, if my parents will come by to watch him, like, he'll just, like, hide under a bed kind of thing. Like, he just came down right away when you came Well, over. I feel so honored <laughs> to be here in your home and to meet you for the first time. I know. I love up on your pets and drink this amazing rooibos pumpkin spice latte. What? What a treat. I know. It's, like, so magical. Like, so... For people who are listening, Casey and I like just met in person for the first time. Like what? Ten minutes ago. Yeah. And we're like, should we record this conversation? We're like, yeah. Um, because we're both in this business course together and we're like, we're both in Calgary. We gotta meet. So I'm just so excited to be here and meet you. And like when you find someone and you just like resonate with them and it's like, yes, it feels so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really cool how I mean human design as a tool connects people you know like it becomes uh, a language that a common language that can be spoken that can automatically help people drop into alignment so it's 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 so neat to know obviously i i sense your energy i'm intuitive Mm -hmm. i'm good with people i can tell if like someone feels good or not Mm -hmm. and knowing that you're a projector and you're here in calgary like it, it it's almost like it makes sense to just drop in a little deeper, quicker, mm-hmm. having that foundation. hundred percent. Yeah. I love it. It's like, so I just this week started talking to my clients about human design in this group mentorship program and like telling them and looking at it from a lens of like healing and, and rest and how each different energy type within human design is like designed to rest. Right. Of course. And it's like, especially for projectors, like we're not energy beings, like we're not meant to do everything. And so for the other projectors in the group, which is so wild, because all of them are also, four of them are also four, six projectors, like the exact same profile type. Wow. What are the chances of that? That's like all about community. 
And so I was just giving when when I first heard about projectors, I was like, this is such liberty for me to actually rest and honor my body. Mm, yeah. I don't know how you felt. I think you'd gone to it before learning about projector, I guess. Well, I yeah, I mean, I was listening to my body before learning about human design because embodiment was the through line of my work, even as my jobs evolved, even as I transitioned from being a dietitian and yoga teacher to getting into the coaching space to like like anything that I brought in, I I sort of realized that embodiment was at its core and was kind of like a through line. Um, but it was pretty amazing to find human design right after I did my TED talk, Let Your Body Lead, and to realize that I was a mental projector. At first, it confused me. I was like, wait a minute, what? Why am I so obsessed with the body if I have no energy in my body, according to human design? And then you know, I realized just through talking with people who knew more about human design than me that that it actually made a lot of sense because like where where there isn't energy in the body, where there's white spaces in a human design chart is like where you're meant to be wise and where you're meant to learn lessons and where you can be a really like profound teacher. And so it was kind of a beautiful shift in my own mind that like, yes, listening to my body is for me, for sure. I listen to my body when I rest, when when I need to rest, like I don't push through shit. Mm -hmm. And when I do that, when I just like give my body as much rest as it needs, it's amazing to me how I naturally shift back into a state of being ready to act or produce. And I think that's the fear that people have is that like if you listen to your body or if you intuitively ate ice cream, let's say, that you would just never, ever, ever stop. But could you imagine eating ice cream like all day, every day for more than one day, mm-hmm. two days, five days even? It's like you're, eventually you're going to stop, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. The body wants that harmony and that balance. But anyway, yeah, finding human design and realizing like, oh, embodiment, that's the gift that I give to others. Mm-hmm. That's what I teach because that's where I'm wise. That's what I teach because that's where I've had lessons around like, disordered eating and not listening to my body and, you know, acting like a generator and working too hard and burning out and all of it. It's like all that life experience gives me wisdom to teach other people. Exactly. That's what's been so empowering about human design to me, because like I've always been into personality tests and Myers-Briggs and astrology. Mm -hmm. And so human design is very actionable, though. And it's also just like permission to be who I really am. It's like almost like a roadmap to like where in life you are most likely to pick up conditioning and then the work you can do to like release those patterns. Like for me, when I first listened to an episode with Day Luna, your friends Dana and Shana, like talking about the different types, I was like, oh, I am for sure a manifesting generator. Like I'm just someone who gets so much done. And like at that point I had been in a car accident. I was at home on disability leave for like a year at that point. And I was still trying to get back to that hustle culture. Yeah. And then I remember when I looked up my chart, I was like, oh, I'm a projector. I was like, oh, no wonder. Like, I'm living in a world that just promotes this, like, grind. And I've been trying to live up to that, but that's not sustainable for me. No wonder I've been crashing. No wonder I've been burning out. No wonder I've, like, developed chronic illnesses. It's like when you don't listen to that wisdom of your body, that's what happens. Yeah. Do you remember what initially made you search your chart in the first place? Um, it was, it was learning about it on a podcast episode. It was the expanded podcast with Lacey Phillips. Okay, got it. I don't know if to her podcast, but like, and I was like, what is happening? But again, I feel like they say when you get a a really bad concussion or brain injury, like literally like the universe or your guides or your intuition, like 
being knocked into you. It's like it knocks out that logical side of you. Yeah. And that's been so true for me. Like since, I mean, I've always, I was raised Catholic, but like I've always considered myself spiritual, even though I don't like go to church anymore. Yeah. And I, it was like reconnecting with my intuition that I, I almost had fear of. <laughs> and all of a sudden, all these like insanely guided, beautiful things kept coming into my life. Mm-hmm. Like I'd run into people that I was clearly like meant to meet. And like, I've made so many friends from my Instagram account. It's like, oh, you like, let's get together in person. Like if I'm visiting a city or they're in town, it's like, yeah. I just feel like the universe has always been like dropping little breadcrumbs of like what I'm meant to do, even to get to this point. You know, I never thought I'd be an entrepreneur. Like it scared me so much. Yeah. But something I've really been contemplating these days is like you have to face your fears it's almost like that's the exact roadmap to like healing oh yes woo that gave me the truth tingles <laughs> yeah it's like um the the contraction the constriction the things that are that kind of hurt a little <laughs> that where there's resistance it's like there's a part of us that wants to just like push that away or turn away from it. And I think what I just heard you say is like turn toward it. And, and if you don't, like, it's like the universe forces you. Yes, exactly. Because like, this is a big thing because I work with people who are chronically ill and like chronic pain is such a big thing. And so people, all they want to do is lean away from the pain. Yes. I've been like, it's actually the opposite. You have to lean into the pain and you have to feel into what your body's communicating with you. Like, and I feel like that's so, so much of your work. But when people hear the word embodied or body wisdom, like, it's just like they do not understand what it means. Here's what it means. Listen to your fucking pain. <laughs> like, if you're in pain, yeah. if you have a headache, yeah. if you have anxiety, if you have anything that is felt in the body, it means pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. Like, everything has wisdom. And I think it's important to not... Like, no, people get stuck because they're like, okay, no, my body has wisdom. And then they feel something. They're like, what does this mean? What does this mean? And they try and think their way through mm. embodiment. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, it's so nuanced because like literally can you just like feel it without mm. making up a story about it or without having to suck the wisdom from it too soon? Mm-hmm. It's like, can you just start by like feeling it and noticing it? Yeah. And, and. What's wild to me is that, like, first you have to really, that's why meditation is important in the early days. It's like, you have to learn how to actually tune. And sorry, my cat and dog are like playing with each other. If you hear jingling in the back, every- which is so cute. God, I love them. Yeah. Cody's probably going to start screaming soon, but it's fine. <laughs> Cody, you can always come back for some forehead scratches. I feel like my yeah, listeners are used to like my cat purring and my dog barking. Like, it just, I just roll with this. Yeah. 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 Um, but I've, it's like when you actually stop the chatter in the mind and stop, the inner critic and the self-blame and the shame and you just actually tune into what it is and where you feel the sensations sometimes it takes like 30 seconds to just actually like embrace it and it's like poof it's gone true yeah yeah or it's or it's like hmm, what's i'm like it's not a poof it's more of a sometimes poof it's gone and sometimes it's a like pulls you in Mm -hmm. to like a deeper place the root of it maybe you know like like often when I when I coach people I coach them from an embodied state so Mm -hmm. in very like specific terms um like I would 
guide you into your body. I would guide you to, if it feels safe, close your eyes, like take some breaths, bring your awareness down through your body, maybe do a body scan, just sort of bookmarking sensation. Mm -hmm. And then I would ask you like, what do you feel and where do you feel it? And typically there's maybe a couple prominent sensations. Probably there's like one that's really drawing your awareness to that spot, you know? Mm -hmm. And then it's kind of like, once your awareness is there, that that's where the coaching begins. Mm. And it's kind of like, tell me more about that sensation. And then a lot of space to just feel it, right? And sometimes I'll ask, like, where does it start? And it might be different than what they're originally feeling. So in that way, I think the sensation can pull you into, like, a deeper awareness of its root. Mm-hmm. And that's important. You know, I might also ask, how long has it been with you? Has it been with you since you were like five or is this like just yesterday you picked up this sensation? That tells me a lot because and layering in, especially if you're an empathic person, it literally might be something you picked up from the grocery store and we could literally just like breathe it out of your system. A hundred percent. So there's so much nuance once you dive in. And I think part of the reason why people resist uh, the exploration of body wisdom is because there's so much that could be discovered. In some ways, it's that unknown territory that, like, you know, we fear. We want to have control over our lives. And imagine, like, we can predict every single step of our future. But, like, sorry, it doesn't work that way. It's, like, control is such a big thing. It's, it's like, to, to move towards this healing journey, whether it's a physical thing you're trying to heal or emotional or, like, it's all connected. But you have to be willing to let go. Yeah. And that surrender piece. And that's not something that you can force. Yeah. Like you just have to allow it to be there. Mm-hmm. And, and it's so true. Like when we try to like logic it out of it, but like, our, it's so hard unless someone's actually experienced it. Like semantic experiencing. I feel like there's a huge movement happening right now where that's being picked up and we're moving. I personally think COVID kind of really stirred some of this up, just like our co- collective consciousness of like, mm-hmm. wow, like we can't really just like, use knowledge and science and just like all this thinking thinking and cognition to fix everything totally yeah i um i don't know if you know this but i'm co-writing a book right now really on embodied leadership no way um yeah we'll be releasing we just actually grounded into the final title and we're in the the we've just finished our second round of substantive edits we have Mm. copy editing and then book design and it'll be out april 2023 amazing but um part of what we share in the book um is this piece around how like embodiment is the new mindfulness embodiment is Mm -hmm. mindfulness turned on itself yeah but it's it's like we're entering into the century of embodiment think about human design wisdom again right the new paradigm 2027 (laughs) it's like a different way of being And human design is all about like your authority is found in your body, right? So it's like embodiment is the new mindfulness. And honestly, if if you got a leadership training listener, (laughs) if you're like in a corporation or you own a business, if you're doing any sort of training and it's leaving the body out, it's old news. Like you better catch up. Like this paradigm is all about the body. If you are trying to lead a team but don't have like a trauma-informed awareness, of how the nervous system works or how body wisdom works or how we co-regulate together and make each other feel safe without our words, with our energy, with our bodies. Like there's a reason why your pets came down to greet me. Mm -hmm. I prepared for them. Mm -hmm. I literally took a few breaths. I set an intention. 
I grounded into my body and then I rang the doorbell. Mm -hmm. Like that level of consciousness and intention has so much power. Yeah. None of it's cognitive yeah. or verbal. Like the intention part is cognitive. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I obviously I'm with you <laughs> on that comment. But and it's it's almost like that's something that I really had to step into because the rational part of me was like, I can't speak about these kind of things. I can't talk about human design and like you know, mindfulness kind of got taken over by this very like, Western view. It's like these are like ancient wisdoms, right? Yes. It's almost like we're going back to them and like these indigenous perspectives and all this reconciliation. And for me, when I totally embraced and started embodying, like I am guided by my intuition. And honestly, it's a huge part of healing from anything. True. And and I when I started actually showing up as myself, that's when I started growing on social media. That's when I started getting more of a following. That's when I was just like, I knew that I was doing the work that I so fully aligned with that like it did not matter if people didn't get it. Because there's yeah. no way to leap out when you're healing. You can't you have to encompass mind, body, and spirit. Yeah. Right. How did your chronic illness change or your experience of your chronic illness change? At that moment where you started to embrace yourself and your intuition. <laughs> you know, it's so fascinating. So basically, I was on disability leave for the second time from a second job. I was previously... Because wait, let's back it up okay. a bit. You were in a car accident. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for my listeners. Yeah. Yeah. Fill it out a little bit more. Like you were in a car accident, your life changed, mm -hmm. and you had a brain injury. Mm -hmm. So I was previously a band and choir teacher, someone who was like, go, 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 like 3.98 GPA, like University of Toronto, like, you know, like the typical like scholarships, doing everything, student governments, like never slowed down. Yeah. And then like that carried into like my teaching, like being on boards. Like I was like the typical person where it's like, I just like needed to add more to my resume. Like that's what I thought success was. And then this car accident happened and all of a sudden, like my world got turned upside down. I couldn't return to work. And like months turned into years and I kept, I never made it, even though for two years I tried a gradual return to work, I never made it more than six hours a week. So wow. like I went into chunks and I was like, and that wasn't even teaching band, that was teaching career and life management. Because what was happening? What was stopping you from being oh, able to do everything? That? Like dizziness, extreme fatigue. Like I couldn't even walk five minutes without someone to hold on to oh. in the early days. Um, Like horrible migraines and headaches, vision problems, like double vision insomnia like but chronic pain neck pain it's like anything your Pretty whole physical body yeah. was like nope, nope. <laughs> if you search post-concussion syndrome symptoms it's like pretty much every single thing you can imagine like anxiety depression like it all just hit me and kept being like why is this happening and then gradually it's like okay i learned about human design okay i see like this intuitive guy it's like, and it's so my journey was like step by step. I started laying on the pieces and understanding it. I had actually started a master's degree in advancing healthy and socially just communities before the car accident. Whoa. So I was already leaning towards this aspect of wellness. And like, there's something about teaching band that doesn't fulfill me because like, it's very like top down. You're at the top, controlling everything. And I'm all about community. And like, let's bring everyone to the table. There's no first principal chair and second and third. It's like, Let's like create something together. So I was already having that disconnect and wanting to do something different. I'd been working a lot with um, LGBTQ youth at the school. And like, I was like, this is what I want to do. Like help people transform and step into who they are. Yes. And what a projector you are. <laughs> what a guide, right? Like even just like in how you're sharing that story, even though you didn't know it at that time mm. and your actions maybe mimicked the actions of a manifesting generator. Yeah. 
the intention behind the like wanting to create community, guide people into their truths, this lean towards like health and wellness. To me, yeah. those are like really um, signs of your projectorness coming yeah. through. And also just like, I don't know, I do so much like purpose coaching. And I think people think they're really far off their purpose. Mm, usually it's just like a slight pivot. It's literally <laughs> just like a little pivot. You're always getting bright breadcrumbs, whether you notice them or not. Yes. And you're noticing some of them. Yeah. Even if you're feeling really misaligned. Yeah. You know, so true. Like, and I, it's not that I tell, felt totally misaligned. Like I was like loving life. I was like, I just taken students on a leadership trip and like just, I was going to Russia and Italy with the band on tours. Like they loved what I was doing, but something just wasn't right. And like, People kept being like, yeah, well, you should be a life coach. And I was like, what? Like, no, like that just did not resonate with yeah. me. But I knew on a deep level that like I always valued community and healing. And I just didn't know what that would look like because I was not a scientific person. Like, I dropped out of bio as soon as I could. Physics dropped it. Like my mom yeah. always is like, you should have done bio 30. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but so basically it just kept leading me to all these different people. And I kind of treated my recovery like I had everything else in my life. I was like, hey, this doctor, then this, then this, then this prescription, and then I'll try this treatment, which is amazing in one sense, because now as I guide people with chronic illness, it can be like, have you considered vestibular therapy? Or like, I think really this might work for you. Now I have this like lens of like a lot of different yeah. approaches, whether it's like Reiki or like, you know, PRP injection, like there's just so much out there. But I also realized that I had to jump off the cliff. I knew some part of me wanted to be an entrepreneur. So yeah, basically fast forward through all the failed returns, attempts to return to teaching and my graduate studies. I was like, I'm going to help people. I saw this guide who actually lives down the road. She's like an intuitive medium. She was formerly a singing teacher, like an opera singer. And, and so she was just like, no, you're meant to help people overcome the journey you've been going through. Ooh, chill. Yeah. And I Whoa. was like, oh, and I still have that recorded I went with my husband and it was just like oh like I've never thought about that like can I like I'm not a doctor can I treat and then I was like oh that's such conditioning around thinking like the only people who can address illness are people who do like the prescriptions like this very conventional medicine yeah and I started with this course and I was putting it together and as I was putting it together I was like I know all of this from all of my background in mindfulness and education but like I wasn't totally embodying it. So I was like, as a teacher, I need to walk the talk. Yeah. So I started implementing it to my life. And then it got to a point where I was like, you know, I'm not talking about the spiritual side of this. And it's yeah. because like, woo woo, there's shadow there. It's like, yeah, it's not like I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't call myself a witch, but it's like, yeah, I like to like do things on the full moon and new moon to set intentions and journal and like, mm -hmm. you know, create a You're space a in my body. Yeah. <laughs> actually, some of my high school students would tell me that. I was like, oh, am I? I'm actually trying to reclaim that term, but yeah. I know it triggers a lot of people. So I'm yeah, me. Am. Sorry, I'm just forced into a reclamation. Yeah, I, I, also, I also like, can we just take woo-woo out of our vernacular? Yeah. Like, talk about a way of like diminishing potent and powerful. It's so true. Um spiritual traditions and like cultural traditions. Yes. You know, I think there's like an element of racism connected with that word because of its like origins mm -hmm. in I don't quote me on this, but I think its origins are in like Asian yeah. spiritual traditions. Yeah. So I don't know if you know that I'm half Korean. You told me once. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to like look at well, so it's like this is this East meets West. Like I've always same thing with invisible disabilities, which is a lot of what I work with like long COVID and post-concussion syndrome and fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, they're all invisible conditions. And same thing with me, like 
I don't look Asian, but it's something I resonate with. So yeah. when I was on my journey in healing, I was taking this course with Natalie Miles, who's an intuitive, on heal your ancestor story. Mm-hmm. And in one of the meditations, you go in and you like visit your ancestors and each one presents you with a gift and like you have like a connection with them. And I was like, whoa, like I'm doing this? Like this is wild. Like, And my great grandmother connected with me and I didn't know anything about her and I didn't know I was like how does she show up and I only saw her as a young woman and I later talked to my mom about it she's like yeah that's when she died like when she was young but the very clear message she said to me was like she had a lot of shame about embracing her and her intuition like she was a she was an intuitive and she had so much shame and no one ever realized that these were her gifts and so that was like okay I need to step into this and like talk about it and because originally I was like I want to get all the scientific data so that insurance companies can cover my courses so that all these people can get the support they need but I'm also looking at the data and I'm like people who have a higher power to have faith in regardless of what the faith is it doesn't even have to be religion they heal like that's just what the data supports they do so that was like okay like i know this and i need to put it out there and that's when my business started to explode and that's when like i'm just wrapping up this first container of this thriving spoonie pathway program and getting ready to launch like the second round i'm just like this transformation that these students have had within it is so powerful and it's because like i was ready to hold the space for that because i didn't have any shadow about it myself and embracing all aspects of it we talk about nervous system regulation from a scientific lens and of course talking about vagus nerve and all these different things and like you know cognitive reframing but then there's also this energetic component that is so hard to describe until you're in it Mm, yeah we're in it right now Mm -hmm. like for the listener just like and maybe you feel this too but just sitting across from emily and hearing your story emily i i'm like getting the like whoosh whoosh (laughs) like waves this is how my intuition shows up Mm -hmm. at first is like clairsentience Mm -hmm. and it's like chills down my right arm and when you were talking about your ancestors, it's like they're here. Mm-hmm. And and it made me think of my grandma Cot, who died when my mom was 12. So I've never met her. And yet I have this like deep, deep energetic connection with her. She like guides me. She tells me what to do. Every time I see my Uncle Ken, he's like, God, you're just like Grandma Cot. And I'm like, I know it's because she's literally telling me <laughs> what to do. I'm like living out what she couldn't, yeah, you know? yeah, And it's real. It's felt in the intuitive bodies, in the clairs, you know? It's so true. And for so long, a lot of what I realized, the physical symptoms I was carrying was learning about highly sensitive people and empaths and like looking into Dr. Elaine Aaron and Dr. Judith Orloff's work and like these people who very much blend the data with the intuition. It was like empowering for me to realize like, oh, like the first question I now ask myself when I'm experiencing a physical symptom is, is this mine to carry? Yes. Because a lot of times it's not. Yeah. So like I practice, this is something I teach my clients, like I practice these energetic cords connecting me to whatever it is. I don't have to necessarily know them. And then I just like break that off and bring my energy back into me. This is wild that this is the first time that we're actually in a conversation because I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> Like, I feel like I've just been through a massive initiation around um, my empathic nature, too. And and I've been 
mentoring under a master energy healer in her 70s for the last two and a half years. I meet with her for five hours every three to four weeks. Wow. And we like talk about my life, understand it from an energy consciousness perspective. She puts her hands on me and does healing. And then we integrate what came up, which mm. is usually like vision, sensations, like understand. And, and she helps me to understand what we're definitely not taught in school about like high levels of consciousness and about the psyche and about like lucid dreaming and these these ways in which we can connect with wisdom yeah. that are not like necessarily proven by Western science. And like I have a science degree. <laughs> I, I was a mass biology, you know, like yeah. type. Of, and I still and I appreciate and respect that world. It's it's just like what I'm hearing from you and what I feel so deeply in myself is like there's it's all one. It's like there's yeah. space for integration and it's so important. And it sounds like for you, like healing the, you know, you use the term shadow or the maybe low vibration of, mm. of um, your own intuition or spirituality mm -hmm. allows you to embrace more of your power and bring that power to your clients and help them embrace more of their power in that way. Like, I'm just kind of blown away. I'm like, you're such a fucking powerful leader. And pardon my language, we haven't done a little like language chat. <laughs> no, we're allowed to swear. Yeah, not. but yeah, the the whole like one of my favorite tools. I call it the me not me or my not mine tool. And mm -hmm. like I learned this from a holistic psychiatrist, Dr. Maureen McGoran, and then my my healer mentor, Melinda Leal. And it's like, wait, you do that too? As soon as you feel something like <laughs> mine not mine, and and I've kind of learned like the nuances of that too right like even if it is not mine there still might be like a wisdom around like why i'm carrying yes you know so i'll still create a little bit of presence around it and then sometimes it's just like nope not mine breathing it out of my system into mm -hmm. the ground like you talked about cord cutting but mm -hmm. i often just like move the energy through my feet that's great yeah and i the thing is, because like one of your earlier questions, which I didn't even answer, is what happened with my illness and injuries. Like after that, it was like the wild thing is like, then I just started experiencing no symptoms. And I was well, like, holy shit. I was like, wait, because then I was like, well, now I'm just one of these people that are like, no, seriously, like I can help you like get rid of your symptoms. And I and I still have doubts. I'm like, how long is this going to last? It's been since June now that I've like, I've like, I haven't had a major flare up. Like, and so by flare up, it's like what chronic ill, chronically ill people talk about, like, oh, where you don't know, you think you're going to be in a bed for like weeks kind of thing. Like you're just shut down, like this yeah. collapse that happens. And so like, I had like a mini one last month, which I like wrote about on my Instagram, but it's like, I know so strongly now what my physical and verbal and energetic boundaries are. And I'm so connected to my why of, and for me, the biggest lesson has been learning to put myself first and to say no and to slow down mm -hmm. and to realize that actually the more I rest, the more I can accomplish. Not that it's about being productive, but like, it's so not about doing as much as you can, because when you rest, it like, it just builds your energy. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And that's for any human design type. Yeah. And especially projectors. Yes. And like, not only that, I'm finding that like I get insights in my sleep mm -hmm. that basically help me blast through any BS and get straight to the truth. Like I'll literally see someone's face or a name and it'll be like, reach out to so-and-so. Right. And I have no idea why, mm -hmm. but I do. And then they're like, 
whoa, I just listened to the first episode of your podcast all day yesterday and I've been thinking about you. Wow. It's like, this is how consciousness works. Yeah. Consciousness is ahead of itself. And when we learn about it and like expand our wisdom around it, we're like, like, think about what science knows about the brain. Like, I, I'm like kind of obsessed with neuroscience and, mm-hmm, and any sort of mind body, et cetera. But like, there's so much that's not known that's hard to put a finger on, that's hard to study. And yet there's these like wisdom carriers and ancient traditions, you know, like yoga is such a profound science about like human consciousness too. And that's just one. Yeah. So yeah, I like, I think it's so powerful and I'm like so glad to hear that you embrace that part of embodiment. Yeah, and it's like, it's for you. Like, it's not like I've like figured it all out and I'm proven. Like I'm still such on a journey and learning and growing. But like every good teacher, yes, Cody, <laughs> every good teacher in my opinion is constantly learning and growing. Like I'm not, I, even though I'm not a school teacher anymore, like I will always consider myself an educator and like a lifelong learner, yeah. right? Like, and I just love how I continue to learn and grow. And it's like from my body, right? Like if I'm going to, if I'm sitting down to work and like, I don't feel good, like so it would, it's been a lot of work for me to decondition societal norms. Like, Hey, I should have set hours that I work like 8 AM. And then I'll like take a break. And I was like, now I'm just like, screw, like throw that all out of the window. Like I just connect with myself i see like do i feel like working right now and then like sometimes i'll do and then i'll realize like oh i'm feeling a little anxious i'll literally just stand up and then start shaking and moving my body to like release that energy and then i'm like oh this is actually like a research somatic practice and it's like you know but like we don't even need all that if we just trust our body and what it wants exactly exactly yeah yeah i'm like i think the point of all these different tools you know you mentioned all the self-assessment tools and like human design and you know what any tool it's like in an ideal world, you actually don't need any of them because you have this vessel that you exist within that literally offers wisdom yeah. from all these different parts. Yes. And yet I feel like we're so conditioned out of trusting ourselves that having these sort of external tools that can validate an inner process is helpful mm. until it's not. Yeah. Until that forms its own conditioning that keeps you out of your body's wisdom. Yes. You know? Yeah, no, totally. And like, so for a lot of spoonies is what I call my community. Well, we call ourselves. It's like we have to count our spoons, which is like our energy to use wisely. And I know, especially given that you like focus so much on like teaching people to love their bodies again, okay. or, or like at all. I think we're all born like knowing this and loving our bodies and it gets, we unlearn it. But like, especially for spoonies who are on so many medications, usually like I myself have gained so much weight since the beginning of my journey. And like, there's a lot because of exercise intolerance. Like if you can't walk down the stairs or even take a shower, like mm-hmm. you can't move your body and then you have prescriptions which are adding all of this mm-hmm. weight to your body and then you don't have energy to cook. So it's mm-hmm. the same thing. You end up ordering in like, and then not to mention the stress that our body carries and like yeah. holds within that's like excess weights. Like in your work and like, I'd love you to talk more on your story too because like I know it, but the listeners don't. And like, what advice or wisdom you would share to people who are in that situation. Yeah. It's interesting the timing of you asking this question because I'm going through, you know, speaking of lifelong learning, mm-hmm. I'm going through a, and I'm in the middle of it, you know, meaning I don't have a perfect answer for you. And maybe I can verbally process a little <laughs> bit right here. You know, yeah. I just, 
through this space of like integrating my work as a dietitian. So I was a dietitian for a decade. Um, and then my work really evolved because I felt like needing to talk about body love or self-love through the lens of food became depleting for me. It was like there was this Trojan horse of food where I had to do so much coaching to help people understand why weight loss shouldn't be the first goal right. and why you don't need a meal plan because you're not going to follow it for long and why you should connect with you. It felt like I was there was so much effort going into just getting people in the door yeah. to embodiment that I felt like, oh, what, if, what if I could just like open up the Trojan horse? And also, you know, I learned through being a dietitian who connected people with their bodies around what, when, why, how to eat and how to move and how to like basically do all of that intuitively. I learned that people were not only healing their relationship with their bodies and food, they were literally getting out of abusive relationships with partners. Mm -hmm. They were leaving corporate jobs and starting businesses. A similar outcome to what you found by like bringing your intuition back on board. It's like, okay, this is no longer about necessarily symptom management. Yeah. It's about living my most profound, aligned, empowered life. 100%. And like that shit lit me up. And I was like, okay, this isn't just for people. Some people aren't struggling with food right now. Yeah. And it's something else. And they still need that connection to their bodies for outcomes of like living their most aligned life, living out their life's purpose. I'm like, if we were all just aligned, how would our world be different? How much more love would we have to share with one another? Mm. That's always been the thing that lit me up. Anyway, so I let go of being a dietitian. I literally let go of my designation. Uh, I'm no longer an RD. I still have a Bachelor of Science degree in nutrition, of course. Um, but I like kind of took on the role and was trained in, you know, professional coaching, more somatic work, et cetera. And I'm in a moment right now where clients who I used to work with as a dietitian around like intuitive eating and who maybe were even part of my evolved embodiment, embodiment trainings, like my let your body lead professional certification, et cetera. It's like, they're kind of coming back around and being like, okay, what happens after intuitive eating? Or I'm having conversations with people like you where it's like, it's like there's this nuance that wants to be understood. Mm -hmm. Um, not to mention in the last few years, I've become much more trained and, you know, both through life experience and through honestly co-authoring this book with a really brilliant, like psychologist and a leader in government. And all of us have this like embodiment as part of our practice. I feel like I've been learning so much more about the nervous system specifically and and really like what the nervous system needs in order to even be able to be intuitive. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so I suppose what's coming through me right now is this piece around like in order to even trust your body's wisdom, in order to tap into a really true intuition. In order to be an intuitive eater, you must be in your window of, we call it in the book, your window of resilience. Dr. Dan Siegel calls it your window of tolerance. Mm -hmm. You must be regulated. If you're dysregulated, aka you're in such bad pain that you can hardly get out of bed. If you like, it's like kind of like your survival needs need to be met before you can even tap into intuition. It's a similar peace like we need to be in a safe and social state yeah. where our nervous systems are both like grounded and 
activated, but like in that window of resilience in order to truly receive messages from the body. It's so true. You know, and so trauma of any kind. So your accident, physical trauma, which, you know, probably stems outward to all the, it impacted you in more ways than just physical, of course. But childhood trauma, like, you know, and, and even the word trauma, it gets thrown around a lot. Like, what does that even mean? Let's just call it like conditioning. Yeah. Even like you can still love your parents and not have in your mind, like experience anything negative in your childhood. My kind of like my perspective, but like big T and little T trauma, like even a teacher telling you you're not good at art can have dramatic impact totally. in your life. And my friends who have storybook families, they got their shit too, <laughs> yeah. right? It's it's like a different level of conditioning yeah. and not to undermine significant trauma. Exactly. Like that, that is, it's important to acknowledge, but it's kind of like trauma will impact your nervous system. Yeah, Trauma will dysregulate you. And so... If someone hasn't done a certain level of healing, um, it's actually hard to heal the tr- hear the truth of the body's wisdom. It's like it's kind of an advanced practice. Um, and even as I hear those words come out of my mouth, and it's not. Mm-hmm. So at a really high level of consciousness, like we can hold paradoxes. We all, regardless of how much trauma we have, can have these moments of like absolute clarity in the shower or on a hike where just like for this split second, our nervous system's like perfectly regulated and this like wisdom comes through. Um, and back to your actual question, it's like, I'm like, okay, if medication is going to help to support nervous system regulation, absolutely. If meditation is going to help nervous system regulation. Absolutely. Breathing, all these different tools that you talked about, you've used that are now in your toolbox to suggest to other people, right? It's like all of those are tools to help folks come into their window of tolerance, to come into a place where now they can more clearly hear the voice of their intuition or sense it in their bodies or see that vision, experience their intuition in whatever way that they do. Like, I just know it was so destined for us to meet because everything you're saying is like, I talk about window tolerance and all these things. My first course was called Resilience Reset. And it's it. just like everything. Like when I, when I first in my, in the first month in my program, we focus on like nervous system regulation, like physical well-being. It's like, we just like need to teach you how to pace and how to plan your days and not like keep pushing your body onto the ground. Yeah. And so like when that happens, like suddenly people are shifting out of that chronic state of fight or flight they've been in. And then they're realizing when they're in their window, they're not symptomatic. And then they freak out because a lot of people are chronically ill, have been so used to either being in this hyper or hypo aroused state that they no longer feel comfortable in the safety. Totally. It's, it's kind of like, um, if you've, just dated the people that take you on a roller coaster yeah, ride. It's, it's sort of crazy. It's sort of like the drama is kind of fun. And then like even knowing what a healthy relationship is, it's like, oh, that's boring. Exactly. You know? It's so true. Right? Yeah. And then it's like the next, like that's the base of the pyramid. Then the second month we talk about like mental emotional resilience. That's like, do you do I even think that I'm capable of healing? Because a lot of people they'll he they'll Google the random diagnosis that a doctor slapped on them, which can be a growing list depending yeah. on how long you've been chronically ill. 
And then they just like go down the rabbit hole of spiraling, like I'm never going to get better. And I'm all like, you know, in the medical world, chronic only means your symptoms have persisted for more than three months. It doesn't mean you're never going to get better. It doesn't mean that there aren't some people who heal. Yeah. Like you can't let your mind take over. And then actually, if those pieces aren't in place, you can't get to the top of the pyramid, which is joy, which is purpose, which is intuition. Like, yeah, until you are regulated, like there's no way that you're going to be able to like lead and go in the direction that you're really here to be in. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting when I think back about like working with people around food, the it's kind of like. I just have a different sort of empathy for people who really like struggled with intuitive eating. I mean, especially if they've been dieting, it's like they've, they've swung from rigidity around structure to like what feels like chaos and anything that's going to be sustainable must be integrated, including our healing and wholeness. We got to look at our both sides. We got to look at the shadow and the light. We got to like love up all the parts. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And so like from a eating perspective, which aligns with what you said about like planning and pacing, it's sort of like if you're, if you're not eating all day and you're starving, it's going to be hard to be an intuitive eater. Like, like there's a certain amount of structure set up boundaries that help the nervous system feel safe enough to then flow, you know, to drop into intuition, to like have flexibility. And I think that that, um, that integration, that harmony is different for every single human being. Mm. You know, some people need a, a little bit more structure. Some people need a lot of freedom. Yeah. And this is why your body is so critical because your body is your unique, beautiful vessel that is carrying your soul around and allowing you to be here so like why the hell do we treat our bodies like such shit it's like you know that's what i really think about is like we are so so many people are very disconnected from their bodies to the point like even for me like it wasn't until i like would get these injections in my neck i think it's yours oh water glass. my cat was like drinking out of Oh, yes. I right. I watched doing. that. That was cute. I mean, I drink out of a, a glass licked by Cody. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. Uh, yeah, no, I just, so many people are disconnected from their bodies. And when I got these injections in my neck, which were like my own blood, they'd spun a centrifuge and put back in. And like, wow. that was a game changer of a treatment for me. But I'm not sure if it was the treatment or the fact that I was so sore after the injections that it forced me to bring such awareness to my posture oh. and to my breathing that I was like, I'm not sure if it's the injections, which I'm sure it helped a lot, but like, or the fact that I just finally started standing up better and breathing from my belly instead of tight. And like, I started tuning into my jaw. It's like when you have a, a constant physical reminder, which for me was the pain from that, it's like, it allowed me to experience more of the wisdom of my body. Mm -hmm. But yeah. so many people are like, not even aware that they have pains in different part of their body because they're just tuned, they're tapping out. Yeah, right? totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's like energy flows where awareness goes. Yeah. Is that right? It sounds right. Like right yeah. Yeah. I got rear-ended a few months ago. Really? Uh, at the start of an epic road trip. I was driving to Austin, Texas oh, wow. and back okay. and I got rear-ended like 15 minutes from my house. <laughs> 
Oh, no. And so, yeah, it was like a nervous system activation, kind of like, it's a sign. I'm not going. I'm going to turn back, you know. And that it was kind of just really interesting how the people like the insurance woman and the police officer woman and the body shop uh, assessor, estimator woman. For some reason, it was important that they were all women. It's like I connected with them in a certain way. Yeah. Like all of them were like enjoy your trip like you can still go you know and uh-huh. and it was almost like this they helped to co-regulate right me and I was kind of like okay just like drop in like what are you doing <laughs> can you anyway I ended up going on the trip that's a whole other story <laughs> the point of this was like I came back and I did I had some like clicking in my jaw and like locking and some pain in my ear um you know like whiplash symptoms that showed up after my <laughs> adrenaline kind of like came down. Totally. And so I started seeking out treatment and it's just been amazing like how much I've learned on a totally different level that has brought awareness to me. And like, yeah, it started with awareness of the cervical spine and posture and different things that I do and how I clench my teeth and whatever. And and then as I've been receiving adjustments and support from like a health team, it's like, oh, the sensation's now in my hips. My hips are working something out. And it's been this interesting um, exploration of embodiment, like kind of back to the physical. I feel like I started with, you know, with nutrition, it's like very physical, like eating food and hunger. And then embodiment became like, how do we attune to emotion and intuition by way of the body? And this car accident has kind of brought me back into the physical in a really like beautiful way. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I can only imagine that when you have like chronic pain, longstanding, the, just the potency of that reminder. Yeah, and the sheer overwhelm of how much there is to unravel and unpack. Yeah. I think that stops a lot of people from starting or or maybe they're like me and they're just doing way too much. And it's like your body, that's like, no, that's very unsettling to the nervous system when you're trying to approach it from so many different lenses. It's like yeah. in angles. It's like Slow just down. like trust your intuition and your body about what to focus on first, right? Mm-hmm. And like, this is where like a big part of what I teach is this self-advocacy and like this effective communication. It's like you have to be able to voice your needs and you don't have to just blindly trust what all the doctors are telling you to do, right? Yeah, You know yourself best and like, take back that power. Yeah. It's so important. Yeah. And and what you just said, I feel like could be expanded and translated across context. You know, like certainly there's people in my community who have chronic illnesses and who've been navigating different uh, like pains and I'm going to say it like misalignments. (laughs) Misalignments physically also could be other misalignments showing up physically. Um, So certainly they, they have that. But like you're talking about advocacy for your health in the medical system, but like talk about advocacy for yourself in standing up to maybe an abusive boss or like trusting your own body's wisdom when it defies the conventional norms, you know, like rest is unconventional. Mm -hmm. Yet we hear about like, oh yeah, sleep is so important, but like our culture doesn't support it on an in an embodied way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, it's like lip service. Yeah. And, and what you just said about, like, you know, you even hesitated to say it's like, you know, chronically ill, misaligned. But that's like what I've come to realize if the nervous system becomes regulated well, with time and over time. And if you understand neuroplasticity and how to, like, shift your limiting beliefs into more empowered beliefs and, like, start 
knowing how to actually implement those empowered habits. <laughs> if it's you're still experiencing symptoms, in my opinion, it's it is a misalignment in what you're doing in your life, whether it's the relationship or the career or the family member or like whatever it is, right? It's I view even when our body is in pain and even when we have a diagnosis, I view it as a gift because it's literally our body being like, hey, something needs attention. Are yeah. you going to listen? And then I have found so many connections between the actual location of the symptom and like what that means in the life. Ooh, right? say more. Like if there's issues with, say, the breast area, like typically there's, and a lot of this comes from Louise Hay's work, but it's like, that's usually a tendency of overmothering and overgiving. And it's like, where are you coming back to yourself and loving yourself? Yeah. Or like a lot of gut issues tends to be like solar plexus, like chakra work of like slow self-esteem. Yeah. And like, and also the very like biological of like dysregulated nervous system and needing to like work on your gut health and the mind-body connection. Yeah. There's so many layers to it. It's such like a simple answer. Yeah. And that's why I think it's so important for projectors to be able to guide people and like very clearly feel into them and and see them and know like what is the missing gap here. Yeah, totally. It does take people taking that self-advocacy and that leap of faith to actually like decide to work with a coach or a mentor. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know about you, but I find like, I, the minute that, like, of course, you got to do the work once you're in the program, but I find at least with the people I attract who tend to be like ambitious and motivated and, you know, and I suppose like you, like I'm listening to you and I'm like, that's a really empowered perspective, you know, diagnoses and getting on medication for some people can be very disempowering. Like they can use it as an excuse to not like, you know what I mean? And it's like, okay, you're still a powerful creator, no matter what your body is going through in that moment. And and so like, I would imagine that the people you attract have a desire for the self-advocacy, a desire to get better. They want to do the work. I Yes, I tend to attract really high achieving women in particular who constantly give to other people and have never put themselves first. Yeah. And it's finally gotten to the point where it's like, I need to put myself first. And by signing up for my programs, it's like that action step, like that leap of faith. I'm like, I am actually ready to step into this. Yeah. And but it's also so important for people to realize, like, I trigger a lot of people, too, with my message. Like in the beginning, when I first started sharing this perspective of mine on chronic illness, I was getting a lot of hate emails and DMs. And I was like, what is this happening? Yeah. Um, And then I realized it's because, A, you're like, I'm okay with triggering other people because usually it's their own shadow and the work that they need to do. Yeah. But it's because everything that happens in the spoonie community and chronic ill community is typically like a, I'm sick now, nobody gets it, woe is me. And I hate to say it, but victim mentality. Yeah, totally. And it's harsh. I remember a therapist once telling me that I was a victim and I didn't want to heal. And I was like, what the fuck is this woman doing? And then she dropped me. She's like, I can't help you. And I'm like, okay, I don't think you were the right fit for me. But eventually I got to a place a few years later of being like, oh, like, she, yeah, she was she right. He was right. Like, I did feel like a victim and I was pow- felt I felt powerless. And so much of this has been realizing, like, I do not need to accept this. Like, I focus a lot about sharing story about the brain injury, but I still have a kidney disease that I got diagnosed with when I was a teenager. That's where the heal your ancestor story comes in because it's it comes from my like Asian line and my mother and 
uncle and my cousin and my grandfather. Like everyone has it. So I'm like, there's got to be some deeper ancestral, you know, we talk about intergenerational trauma literally being passed down biologically. Totally. And so I'm like, I need to figure out what that root is because kidney tends to be about fear of something. And then I also have a hypermobility disorder that I got diagnosed with this year. And like, that's when I realized I needed to start sharing my method because even though I got diagnosed and I found the Facebook groups, I read the books and everyone was like, oh, no, no, no. I was like, actually, I can just adapt, figure out what does work for me and pivot and then not make this diagnosis my identity. Mm-hmm. And you stop, you start separating yourself because I've learned like the story you create is so powerful. Oh, yeah. You, you can literally be deepening the grooves in your brain around the conditioned thought that makes everything worse. Yeah. <laughs> or you could create a new story, write a new story. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and that's what I wanted to ask you about. It's like, like I've gotten to a place in my life, oh, Murphy somehow figure out how to knock the lid off the ottoman and find his tennis ball toys. <laughs> um, but I've gotten to the place where I, even though this is like weird to other people, like I would not change single thing about my journey even though it nearly ended yeah. a divorce with my husband even though like i lost friends who i've now reconnected with even though i like left a job that i loved even though i'm still grieving the loss of my identity as a music teacher i would never change all the pain from the car accident because of where it got me i believe i needed to go through that mm-hmm. to learn everything to bring me here to help others well yeah you're so aligned with i would call it your next level purpose mm-hmm. like you were on purpose with um being a music teacher you you we're happy. It was, it was fine. It was good. Right. And I just find like either we feel a call deep inside and we trust the little whispers of that call and allow ourselves to evolve or we don't feel it at all. And like life offers us something that calls us to evolve or we ignore it so much <laughs> that it starts to show up as like physical pain and tension. And then you're forced into it in a different way. Yeah. And it just like, when I listen to your story, it's like, oh, this is the unfolding of you evolving into your next level purpose. And just like being in your presence as an empath, like you're so aligned. Your energy is so good. And I just want to make a comment on like the, when you're like, you were triggering people. There's something that I teach that comes from um, the coach training that I was trained in, IPAC coaching, that's called energy leadership. And it's interesting having that sort of framework and then also working with a master energy healer who's like the most conscious human I've ever met. I'm never going to learn her, you know, <laughs> but but energy leadership talks about like seven levels of energy where level one is is the kind of lowest level of energy at the catabolic energy. It's not good nor bad. It just is. And it's characterized by uh, victim mentality, the feeling of apathy and the outcome of lethargy, aka if you're feeling stuck, level one is probably really high. You know, mm. level two energy is like characterized by conflict. The emotional piece around it is anger. The outcome of that anger is defiant. So it's like screw you. You know, it's not poor me, it's screw you, right? Those two levels of energy create, uh, you know, they're considered catabolic, but they create contraction or Mm. tension Mm -hmm. that's felt in the body, Yeah, right? It's like a holding, it's a dense energy. It can be an energy that is produced by trauma or it can be an energy that is perpetuated by limiting beliefs, limiting perspectives, shame, shadow, Mm -hmm. unhealed shit you don't look at. 
if you look at like social media, the way in which and our society as a large, we're polarized. Our, what's normal in society is level two energy. You're right or you're wrong. I'm right. Yeah. Pro this, anti this. Social justice movements are driven by level two energy. The benefit of level two is it can create quick action, but it's not sustainable. So when people are on social media saying, how are you not jumping on this cause? You're a shitty person. Level two energy. It's like loud in our society. It's prominent. It's quote normal, not because it's normal, but because it's prevalent Mm. and it sucks the life out of a room. It's more potent. So when I hear you talk, you are embodying uh, level six energy is win, win, win. I wouldn't change a thing. There's like more than a silver lining here. I can see now how all of this played into my purpose and I'm healing myself and healing other people and all of us as a community. Mm-hmm. So when I hear you talk, it's like, well, you're vibing at level five, six, seven energy. Level seven is unconditional love. Mm-hmm meaning loving even the shitty parts. Yeah. So when someone comes at, say, social media from a level five, six, seven perspective, it's different from the norm if the norm is level one, two. Yeah. And it's going to trigger the shit out of their <laughs> unhealed parts. Yeah. So like this is, I think, why it's also important on your growth path to welcome in, set an intention, welcome in, spend time with people who can meet you in that higher level of energy. Otherwise, it's easy to get pulled down. And especially for you and I who attract ambitious, successful givers, giving is level four energy, like Mother Teresa vibes, like give, 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 but it can turn into level one pretty quick. It can turn into resentment, right? right? It's like we need to attract the people that are elevating with us. Well, and that like what you just described are the levels, like I talk about like David Hawkins work where he had like figured out how to actually measure emotions and like there's so it's literally those level one two those are lower frequencies right totally. and it's get to the top the very top is like peace right like yeah. love it's joy and i sorry marby please stop thank you thank you what a good listener do you want to have some apple snack break here we go <laughs> emily emily's got some apples cut up and some they look like Oh, they look like market carrots. They They're look like good carrots, good carrots and, <laughs> and some like nut, a nut mix. I'm, we're digging in. <laughs> and Murphy's digging in too. Yeah, he loves apples. Here we go. You love apples. Um, David Hawkins. Yeah, friend. those different frequency levels. And for me, though, I realized energetically I can be really powerful in the sense that like I get to decide the kind of people I attract into my circle. Oh, yeah. And so... I welcomed in those people who were triggered by me. I recognized the things that triggered within me that I needed to do some more healing on because no one's ever done healing. Mm -hmm. And then I stopped attracting those kind of people in my DMs. Of course you did. So it's like, okay, I can decide this. And just as I'm preparing to launch this next cohort and like making it bigger and I brought on a few team members to like really help this grow and like have different peer mentors, like I... It's not about the money and it's not about the number of people for my ego. It's like, now how can I make an impact and help as many people with this message? People who are ready. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's like what I'm so excited about. Because in the early days, I was in such that giver energy that in the beginning of my business, I wasn't making any money because I was giving everything away for free and on scholarship because I felt 
if someone's disabled, which everyone who has a chronic illness is, whether they like that label or not, because, you know, what the word triggers in people, like there's this feeling like they are owed something and deserve something. But like you pay your doctors, you pay for your medication. What is the difference between that and what I'm offering? Because like I can offer. Yours is probably more effective. No, I shouldn't say that. I didn't say that. Just just wanted to like pump your tires a little. Sounds like you do friggin' good work. Well, I'm looking at the data from this first cohort. And my sister's in the whole like health space, like patient advocate, like helping convey survey data to help inform different corporations and pharmaceutical companies and everything. And she's like, the transformations they've had is like statistically like amazing. Yeah, not just significant. (laughs) Yeah. And I just think, okay. And I'm not even done. I wasn't even done that program. That was like eight weeks in the 12 week program. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm owning my power because it's not about me. It's like, I'm so excited that I get to channel this work and help others. Yeah. And like, that's why I know that like, I'm always going to be taken care of on like a physical level too. Like we live in a material world and it's not about that. It's about the fact that like, I know that I can't keep giving my work away for free because then I'm not in my worth. And I know that the people who always got scholarships, they didn't achieve the transformation because they weren't in it. Yeah. That energetic exchange of money is like, I am consciously stepping into this. I'm ready to change. Like, that's what it signifies. So I don't charge money because I need the money. I mean, of course, I need money to live, but I charge the money now because it's like people freaking need to exchange that energy. Mm -hmm. And like, maybe that sounds like, nope, it's perfect. (laughs) I don't even go there. That's a limiting perspective. (laughs) Don't even add a disclaimer. I'm setting you off. I'm I've been noticing myself to just be like, I don't know, extra feistier. <laughs> Lately, it's like, like, I don't know. I, I obviously there's a time and a place for like softness and, and maybe like tough medicine. Um, but I have just noticed that in the past, I think I've just like enabled people to like go down these like rabbit hole. And it's like, you know what? You're paying good money. Let's just nip that in the bud. <laughs> like, let's just call bullshit on the thing that's not true. That is a blatant lie. <laughs> like, like you don't need a disclaimer around charging money. And it sounds, it. here's what it sounds like from my perspective. You're connected with the truth that when people are investing with that exchange of money, they show up in a different way. Yeah. And also... You show up in a different way. It's true, because then I'm not bitter or resentful. Yes. Yeah, which exactly. is like the projector not self. And not, you deserve to be a wealthy woman, mm-hmm. like well provided for. Because like, man, I just think about like money as an amplifier, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you're you're aligned. Mm-hmm. Let's give some money to the people who are aligned because they're aligned in their in their hearts and in their service and in their impact you know yeah my husband and i do this work with lacey phillips like around like she's really taught me a lot about like meditation in a way like where you embody these somatic practices and you can really like speed up the neural pathway transition and so one of the things she talks about is like with creating a money authentic code Mm -hmm. and so like what what brings you joy what do you want to spend your money on and like one of the things for me is just generosity like i don't want to i don't i'm not trying to create abundance in my or prosperity in my life because i want it for me like i want it so that i can give it to others right and i want to support other people and i'm so freaking excited next sunday i'm taking some of my girlfriends who were like the most incredible support during my concussion now that i'm really 
finally stepping into like, okay, I'm healed again. Like I'm myself. I can hike and I can like climb scale cliffs and like I don't have to feel limited <laughs> anymore. Like my energy is back and I'm not afraid of losing it anymore because I know I have the tools if it ever yeah. damage. But like I'm taking them. We're, we booked a, I booked the limo. We're heading out to Azzy Ridge and Prittis for Whoa. like the most fancy dinner. And it's just like, I want to like treat them because they helped me so much. Wow. You know, and I'm just like, I feel like a badass. I'm like, this is amazing to be able to do this. You are a badass. <laughs> and it is amazing that you're doing it. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Like, and, and then, you know, it's really interesting because like, a lot of this stuff, when you start to tap into your intuition, a lot of people's entry point is about trying to learn how to manifest, right? <laughs> and then like, I was talking about, can you manifest good health in my program? And I didn't realize it was such a triggering word for so many Yeah, about this like white woman trying to manifest this thing. I was like, oh, like, I did not know that it had this negative connotation. <laughs> yeah. Like manifest can be a triggering word, but it's like, it's true. When you follow all these things you've been talking about and really embody yourself, the universe rewards you things that you desire because it's like yeah heck yeah of course mm -hmm. yeah i love it but like going back to like how i talked about my story and now viewing the car accident as like needing to happen yeah for you what's your story and how has it helped you get to where you are with this whole body wisdom perspective mm. you bring? well it's interesting because i used to always tell this story on podcasts about how it started with an eating disorder when I was young, I grew up on a farm in Saskatchewan and um, yeah, disordered eating disembodiment was the gateway to embodiment. And yet I'm feeling called to share a different story mm -hmm. because I'm thinking about um, just in 2020, I like I'm thinking about how I actually got off my path after being really aligned mm -hmm. and how I'm coming back to it now and what actually happened there. Mm -hmm. And so it's sort of like a different story of embodiment and understanding wisdom and lessons. But I, so I, I ran the first version of the Let Your Body Lead professional certification, you know, enrolled people in the early months of 2020. And then it started literally a week after the lockdown started. Wow. And it felt like just like my highest level work, my my biggest contribution. It's like the whole program is, okay, me integrating. I have a science degree. We're going to have a science pillar here. I am a 500-hour yoga teacher and I've studied with like yogis in India. We're going to add an ancient wisdom pillar here. And we all have ancestors. Like, let's like access our ancestral wisdom. My yoga teacher in India always says, if you are... If you don't have a healthy relationship with your body, you don't have a healthy relationship with your ancestors mm. because you get your body from your ancestors. Goosebumps. Yes. Wow. So it has to be part of that training, ancient wisdom, ancestral wisdom, um, coaching. How do we self-coach and also like learn how to coach other people to access their truth in deeper, more meaningful ways? And then, of course, embodiment, everything through the lens of the body. So I had created this offering and I was like, oh my God, like this is my gift to the world, you know? And I just felt so vibrant and so aligned and people were flowing into the program. And then it started a week after the lockdown started. And so suddenly I was holding space for a group of humans to go into their bodies every single week while we're having an epic traumatic event as a collective. Not to mention each person in that program was going through a massive change personally. Mm -hmm. One person moved from 
Maine to Alaska. One person had her very first child. One person got out of a marriage. One person quit their corporate job. And, and so like talk about massive change. I was holding space for it and I would show up on those calls feeling like, Oh, I'm like so expanded, so aligned. And then I would crash after and I would burn out a little. Like, um, I think that word is overused. I don't want to use it so much, but I just would crash. And then as time went on, I started to wake up feeling like depressed in the mornings. And I too was navigating an epic collective trauma and the context was right for some specific personal trauma that I had been through uh, related to sexual abuse. It was like ripe for the healing. And also like there were some elements of that were that were connected to intergenerational stuff. Mm. So a lot was happening all at once. And I just like stopped feeling like myself, exhausted, depressed, depleted. And I was kind of like, how could this be? This is my gift to the world. Right. You know? And I, you know, hired a private breathwork facilitator and I did acupuncture. And I like, I just maybe similar to you went seeking these professionals to like help me. And it wasn't until I landed in the big red chair in my like healer mentor's house that I realized how much my energy was out of what. In retrospect, it's all for a purpose. What I didn't know then that I know now is that I'm an empath Mm. and a recovering codependent. And trauma's a bitch. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And so I wasn't, uh, the program was awesome. Everybody got amazing results. Yeah. I was using too much of my own energy. I'm so empathic. In human design, my body is completely open. Mm-hmm. So I was literally like, I could just feel what others were going through. And I was moving it through my body. Right. I didn't have energetic boundaries. I didn't know. Um, I didn't know how empathy truly worked. I didn't have these this higher level of consciousness that I needed. I mean, I was having these crazy nightmares and these scary lucid dream experiences. It felt like these sort of spiritual awakening symptoms that were happening that I couldn't make sense of. And I didn't have the people in my community that I felt like I could talk about it with, and you it's know? It's scary when things start happening in your life. I was those energetic I, countries. Oh, I was having these like psychic yeah. visions. Yeah. Like they were on point mm-hmm. with clients. Mm-hmm. And so there's one part where it's like, okay, I'm doing amazing work. My ego likes that. Why do I feel like shit after? Mm-hmm. You know, something's not right. Right. And so, you know, fast forward two and a half years. I haven't ran that program. I haven't ran any group program. I mean, I've started to now, but in the last two years, I went back to one-on-one partly because that's the energy that I could handle. I dropped off of social media. I stopped. I basically, in retrospect, I was protecting my energy because I needed to. I wasn't strong enough to go back to filtering so much energy through my own field. It's not necessarily strong enough. It's you were tuning into your body's wisdom of what it needed during that time. And my body wasn't strong enough. And my energy field wasn't strong enough. Mm. And my energy was out of whack. I wasn't speaking of the chakras. Like, like I learned about the chakras in my first yoga training more than a decade ago. And I've, you know, we've I've done deep dive studies. 
have I really embodied and experienced what an imbalanced chakra feels like and what a balanced chakra feels like and how the energy literally spins in my system that I can feel now and sense in my being? Like, I didn't have that awareness before. I do now. I can literally feel my chakras in my body. And I can feel when one is bigger than the other. I can sense it because I'm attuned to it. I've been trained to do that. I didn't have energy in like many of my energy centers when I started to work with this healer. And so it was a very slow, humble process of like, like I did one root chakra meditation for four months so that my root energy was reconnected with the earth and I felt like I belonged again. Like depression is a feeling of like not belonging on the planet, Mm -hmm. the root chakra issue. Yeah. Right. So like, there's been this like slow building and the learning in that process. It's like, I can hold space for so much now because I know how to manage my own energy and I know how to do it more ethically, more cleanly. Like you don't know what you don't know. And again, there were great outcomes that happened. I just know a lot more now. Like the next round of that certification, which you better believe there's going to be a next round because it was my aligned work. It is my aligned work. The learning was just how to do it effectively without hurting myself. Right. You know? Yeah. And it's almost like when you talk about story, like you're still crafting yours of like getting ready to trust yourself again and stepping back into that space of being able to hold the container for others. But in that time, you better believe I questioned everything. For the first time in my life, I was like, I'd been an entrepreneur for, you know, five, six years already. And I was like, do I? And I grew up, all my siblings are entrepreneurs. Like it, okay. and my dad's a farmer and I'm multi-passionate. Mm-hmm. has always been selling like, you know, Baylor twine and like to other farmers, like not just running the farm, but selling stuff. Right. <laughs> so like I come from a line of entrepreneurs and I, and I was like, do I even want to be in business? I applied for jobs and for the first time in my life was like, maybe I should go to corporate. Like, I don't know if this is my aligned work. So I doubted it. I questioned it. And now I'm like, it's your aligned work. Like the universe has kept knocking me back on my path. It's just other lessons that I've had to learn in order to, you said, walk the talk earlier. It's like to be an embodied leader, you must walk the talk. Mm -hmm. The most embodied leaders teach from experience. Yeah. You know, when I was training to be a dietitian and getting a science degree, there was kind of this perspective, this perception, like, you know, evidence-based nutrition. Like, of course, like teach from the evidence that's been studied, et cetera. It got in my head. Now I'm like, give me a person who has been through the depths of it and embodies the wisdom. They know something outside of just reading or being trained in something and regurgitating it. So even my facilitator training or certification, I don't want you to register for the Let Your Body Lead training and be pumped out as like a cookie cutter Let Your Body Lead facilitator. Right. I want to bring you in, teach you all these skills, help you live it in your body, bring your unique gifts into play, your unique ancestral wisdom, and be pumped out you. Yeah. Like no one else in the world doing your genius work. You know? and, and that's what a skilled facilitator does. They do everything based on their own experience, but they can, and that's the gift of a projector is like being able to see other people and what they need. And there's not just one way to do anything. It's mm-hmm. so nuanced, no matter what we're talking about. And so, yeah, like I love that you're 
coming back to this place. And and it just really speaks to even at the beginning of this, when we were talking about pain and how so many people fear pain and they shy away from it and they view it as bad. The same thing happens when we experience a setback or yeah. something that's not good or even like an emotion that's not just happy. Basic level. Yeah. Even feel the lump in our throat. Exactly. And that's actually where you learn and grow and evolve. It's like run into because that's where there's power. It's not bad. It's not what did I do? How did I end up here? Have I been wrong all along? Like, no, this is happening because like you're being asked to step forward yeah so well not to mention you have a six in your profile right which mm-hmm. acts like a three in human design which is all about trial and error yeah and i'm a one three so we mm-hmm. both you and i specifically have some like trial and error in our bones <laughs> yeah totally it's like when you were speaking about letting go of that identity as a dietitian i so resonated because it's the same thing for me as like a musician and i was like well why did i go into music I always knew I wanted to be a teacher from the beginning. I was like, I might as well combine music and teaching. And I did it because there were awards, there were festivals. People told me I was good at it. Instant gratification with the applause, like recognition. Projectors just want to be recognized. Yes. And then put this together. Like I was on the news every month. I was a spokesperson for Dietitians of Canada. I got all expenses paid trips. Uh-huh. Like talk about the the recognition part, which isn't a bad thing. We, yeah. we legit need that. Yeah. Like you want to be seen, you crave it and like we desire success. And, and yet I realize now as I'm coming back to music and I'm coming back, like I have this vision of like sound bowl, crystal healing. Mm. I have this vision of like just yeah, like getting back, like I've been just experiencing more as my voice as an instrument and just singing. Like I was a singer before too, but like using it as a way to just like do sound healing in a different way. And I'm like, to me, it was never about standing at the top of a podium and directing a band or a choir or jazz band. To me, when I really think about why I got led into music, it was because that's when I connected with my intuition. There's nothing like standing in a choir and performing a song that just gives you the chills and you're surrounded by everyone and all those different harmonies and this resonance like can bring you to tears. And like, there's a reason why in the early days and the darkest days when I was depressed and I felt like I had no purpose, I was some, for some reason, intuitively going back and listening to choir songs I'd perform. In the group. Like it was never about me standing in front of a group and conducting. It was being a part of it. And that's why it's like the community now. And for me, when I was in that dark moment, I strapped on my figure skates for the first time in 15 years. Mm -hmm. And I went on the ice and I got in my body. You know, it's like there's a bit of wisdom here that I want to like pull out. Like if you're in a spot where you're kind of like, who the hell am I now? And what am I here for? Like, what was it that you did as a kid? What was it? There's there's always a thread of truth. You're not off your path. Yeah. It's like connect with, do something that you did as a kid and it will connect you with the truth of like your soul. Yeah. And and like what you said about being in a choir and connecting to intuition, like, let me cook for you and I will be in my flow. And literally after we wrap this, I am picking up a friend. I'm taking her to um, kind of like a boutique, like foodie spot. And we're picking up these different ingredients for like these uh, morning elixir things, not because you need f- fancy shit <laughs> to be healthy at all, 
mostly because like now I've kind of become my clients, my old nutrition clients where I'm like, forget to eat in the mornings. <laughs> like my nutrition. So I'm trying to like hack it a little bit and get some nutrition in and and then we're going to like make food together. And I'm just kind of like, it's not that that was not the path. Yeah. It was just part of the path. Exactly. Like when I, like even when I, like the way, because a lot of people fear movement when they're ill and have chronic fatigue, but it's like actually moving your body is how you generate the energy to keep going. It's like, it sounds it's counterintuitive. You need to spend energy to get energy. Yeah. And like, I would just, every night when we were kids, we would just blast Lindy on or Spice Girls and we would just dance the entire album. Now I realize it's a brilliant way for my parents to tire us out, me and my sister. <laughs> but it's like, I just like, that's how I first got, even when I was so sick and I couldn't really move, I would just play a song and I would kind of like just mm. move my body lying in bed. And it's like, it's like laid the foundation for like continuing to get to the place where I can now go on hours long hikes, you know? Oh. So it's like you don't have to focus on how far you have to get. Just focus on the next step in front of you. Amen. What an incredible conversation. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. All of Emily's details are in the show notes below if you'd like to join her for her offering. Um, I mean, I highly recommend it. I just really trust her as a guide. And also, if you're curious about the Let Your Body Lead facilitator training, I've got good news. I'm going to be rolling out some early enrollment bonuses. So if you'd like to get on the wait list for that program, definitely do so. The link is in the show notes below. Thank you again so much for tuning in. You know that I always love to hear from you. If anything popped or you had any insights or inspiration that you received from this episode, don't ever hesitate to email info at worthyandwell.com to share those insights or ping me on Instagram at worthyandwell. Can't wait to chat with you soon. Take really good care.